0: Hello and welcome to our podcast we're calling it the hunch because we believe you get the best ideas from people when they're relaxed when they're with friends and rather than giving you the corporate line they give you their best guess their gut feeling their hunch I'm Mark Schmid and in each episode I'll be talking to someone who can give us the lowdown on something that will transform their sector our society or even our everyday lives Today, I'm with Mark Schwakey, formerly an editor of a leading marketing magazine. He's had big jobs in some leading London agencies and tech firms, and now he's gotten around to writing his own book. So I thought it'd be a perfect opportunity to learn what his hunch is about B2B marketing. So, Mark, pleasure to have you along to The Hunch, our very special guest this afternoon. I've known you a long while, originally as a journalist. Then, of course, as a colleague in a a big agency group, where we worked on primarily kind of consumer brand campaigns. And now you're the author of Boring to Brave, a B2B book that uh, is doing a great job in kicking us into shape and telling us what's been going wrong in B2B marketing and, and how we can go about putting that right. So tell us a little bit about
1: that journey. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on The Hunch. It's very exciting and it's always good to see you. I think there's a few of us who are unable to answer the question in an interview situation, a job interview situation. You know, we're looking for somebody with 10 years plus experience of X. And, and it's really, really, it feels like, um, I don't know, I wouldn't go so far as to say it feels like an old fashioned thing. It's not, you know, that I'll never get past that question. I haven't had 10 years plus experience of doing anything. But what I have, and there's a few of us about being made famous now by two very, very gifted women I know from the Marketing Academy, Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis, who I met on the Marketing Academy a few years ago. Who wrote first a podcast, produced an amazing podcast called The Squiggly Career, and then it's become a best-selling book. And I think they're on their second book, and it's about there's there's a lot about navigating various career obstacles and challenges. But what they've made famous is this this theory of um, this kind of trend for people switching careers up and following their own path, following their own career, forming their own career, and not adhering to a career path. And I think that's what I've done. And when I got that question in job interviews in the past about, well, you've jumped around a lot. You've gone from journalism to PR agencies, to marketing agencies, to tech, then you've run your own agency, founded your own thing, and now you're doing this. And we can't really, you're a media, you're the agency, you're the brand, now you're an entrepreneur, it's hard to follow. I think my my response has always been, look, I've collected and gathered experiences, and I can put them together. And I can bring all those perspectives and skill sets together to answer questions that actually are fairly new. You know, if we tried to predict 2020 and 2021, even two or three years ago, everything from, I mean, forget running out of petrol and having no food on the shelves, and trying to deal with homeschooling and not going to work and you know everything we've everything we've um we've been through together even before you got to content and digital marketing and how how that stuff works you, you, you nobody could have predicted it so we're answering questions all the time that haven't been asked before and i think a gathering of perspectives and skill sets and if you've been in several different job roles and functions i think you're really well set
0: mm. so it's certainly squiggly maybe uh, a zigzag but not kind of linear and you're the richer for it uh when you talk about everything changing and the pace of change um that's of course true in some ways elements of b2b marketing remain in a bit of a time warp in terms of the language they use the creative you deploy is that your read of it
1: i think so i i, I met enough people enough People with famous names and big brains to fill my book with um, people that agreed with my take. I, I also, it should be said, for fairness and balance, I met a couple of people who've dedicated their lives to B2B and built some great things who don't agree, who felt the premise of the book was a little bit, you know, challenging, that we're not boring anymore. Personally, I think that B2B is changing, is getting better. I see some great stuff about, but we're talking minority, for the most part, there's a lack of ambition and a settling for mediocrity. And look, I even, I did this talk to these recruiters, and one one guy put his hand up and asked a really serious question, really tough and challenging question. He said, yeah, from everything you've said, I understand there is room for bravery, but come on, in B2B, there's also room for a bit of boring. And I said to him, just listen to the words you've said. Listen to the words that have just come out of your mouth. There is room for boring. What he means, of course, is that there's room for serious and there's room for gravity and there's room for, you know, weighty thought, but no, nothing should ever be boring. As marketers, we are the, we are the capture at somebody's attention and make them like me departments, aren't we? Mm. Mm. There is genuinely no need to make anything you do boring, humdrum, unambitious um and in the right scenarios, you know, lacking in fun or humor or you know, the sort of stuff that, that the reason I come to you again and again, Mark, I come to you because you give me energy, you give me life, you make me laugh, we have good like you're curious, you're quick, you're you know, you can see things from a number of perspectives. If you if you were a total bore, <laughs> we might not <laughs> we might not have been maids. <laughs>
0: It's entirely, entirely credible. I I, can keep all all those bits in, by the way, Mr. Producer Ed. Um, All the flattery can stay. I think sometimes people worry that being brave means that you can't be effective and that when you're taking a risk, that flies in the face of the uh, kind of tried and tested. And, And in the book, you talk about the tyranny of best practice. And I imagine that's connected to that.
1: Tyranny of best practice hangs over everybody. And all best practice means is you're looking around to see what's been done before. Now, by definition, if you're looking around to see what's been done before, it has been done before. Therefore, you're not creating anything new. And best practice, the phrase, takes the responsibility off us to create anything new. So basically what you're saying to your boss who's paying for your marketing is this is right because I've seen somebody else do it before. Hmm. The questions are obviously from a journalist's point of view, the questions are, well, hang on, did it work for them? Number one, number two, who are they? Like, are they anything to do with us? Do they share our legacy, our story, our vision, our talent, our craft, our skill, our product? Now I remember when you and I worked together, we lived in a world where in big agencies, there were a lot of different people that had had some amazing experiences with big brands for Experian. I was called in to pitch for it through a friend of mine, Experian, the personal credit checker. And I I I called on some internal comms help from various places inside the agency. And one incredibly experienced and skilled operator came to me and said, "Listen, don't even I don't even I don't even need to see the brief. I know what has to be done here." I said, "What?" And he said, "I did the same thing for BT back in 1999. I've got a whole program. I've got it on the shelf. You don't even need it." I'm talking to, this was 2012, and I was, I've just come out of journalism where you're literally drilled to ask tough questions, and my jaw dropped. I'm thinking, is this how easy it is, really? Is this what we do? And I said to him, well, I mean, that was another brand with another story, and another whole set of needs, and a whole set of characteristics in another industry, but also, like, more than a decade ago. I mean, it's a different set of people. It's, it's, He said, no, 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 it's all the same. And you go, hang on. If you're relying on your best skill being able to look what's been done before and replicate it, we don't need to be here. And I'll tell you why that isn't the case. You've not just got the opportunity to look and sound different and make sure you're telling your own story. And it might be the story that's different. It might be the channel. It might be the way you tell it. It might be the... You've also got a responsibility as a marketer if marketing is there for anything, it's there to be recognisable, to be memorable, to and if you can get there, be liked and loved. I mean, let's face it, I don't necessarily love the Meerkats, but I do remember it for God's sake. Like I do know what exactly what that brand is for, and I've seen iteration after iteration of the of the campaign. I could probably, on on my worst day after a couple of drinks, I could probably do a passable impression that's what marketing is about and b2b shouldn't play to different rules it should play to its own rules per brand per organization per need per brief per product but it shouldn't play from a different it shouldn't play a different role to what marketing is all about which is make people aware of us make people like us make people want to buy us and make people want to have that kind of relationship with us where they're somewhat loyal to us I do get cross with B2B marketing when it doesn't feel like it needs to try. And, 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 the, and the, the most obvious and telling example that we all recognize is when you see four or five product sheets or white papers, pieces of collateral, and one of them is ours. And you could swap brands about, take my brand off and put somebody else's brand on my direct competitor.
0: Mark, I hadn't heard the Experian story before. Um, I think that's one of the worst examples I've heard plenty of other times where people have, have taken this kind of here's what I made earlier approach and thought that without any new insight, any reading of the market, they could just deploy something from in your example, you know, decades beforehand. Of course, a lot of the best ideas come from somewhere and that might be borrowing to put it in those terms you mentioned curiosity earlier you know you you come across things and you you see how they you might apply them to the challenge you have so you're not saying that every great idea has to be 100% original are
1: you i, I don't think it can be and i don't i don't think ideas have to be original and i don't even think that they have to be fresh but they have to at least be relevant and and then likeable right and one of the ways you do it is by widening your horizons. I speak to a guy who is super successful. now Senior Director of Marketing for Content Square in APAC. You know, he, he says in the book, he looked around during his entire B2B marketing career for role models. He looked up, there was none. He looked around, he couldn't see any. So his role models and his inspirations We're all people from outside of B2B marketing. And he said, that's kind of sad, isn't it? But also it's a win for me because nobody else is doing it. So I'm getting all these kind of creative sparks and flashes and inspirations and prompts and triggers from elsewhere. If you think about it, your B2B marketing ideas and inspirations and flashes of insight don't need to come from inside B2B marketing. They can come from anything that makes sense to you and you can put it together with Put two or three different things together that don't normally fit together. Suddenly, you've got yourself an entirely creative new idea. All it is is joining and linking things up. I'll give you an example, not a B two B marketing example, but you, you know, you'll get the you'll get the idea of linking up two or three things to make something new. I used to live in a place where I had to go to a North London Tube station to get a bus home, and that, this North London Tube station wasn't in a particularly well to do area. And to get the bus there, to get the bus to to come up through the the lobby of this tube station and cross the road and get the button, wait for the bus was always. It always felt a, a, a bit dodgy. You, like I didn't, I wasn't. I you walk out there with your eyes on the ground and you try not to look anybody in the eye, and and it was always, you know, the 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 feeling, the oversensitive kind of, of 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 threat was there in the form of posters saying, "Were you here on this night? Because we could do with witnesses." And it was always a little bit like, you know, you got out of that tube station across the road as quickly as possible and kept yourself to yourself and hope none of the crazies came too near you. Right. And, it, and, and, you know, even my wife used to say, I don't like you going through there at night, especially not in the winter. It's like, what do you want me to do? I've got to get home. There were kids that used to hang around, uh, not necessarily causing trouble, but again, adding to the sense of, I, I don't feel particularly secure. What was the answer to making that a much nicer place and a much easier uh, location to come through on the way home. They could have gone to the local authority and said, look, we need to get more police on the beat around here. We need a visible presence of, of police. And that would have been perfectly legitimate to pitch to a boardroom as an idea. They could have hired their own security guard. They barely spent any money. They bought themselves a cheap stereo and a CD of classical music. And they piped classical music through the station and people slowed down as they were coming up the escalator and they lifted their head up and they smiled at each other even. And the sense of threat went... The kids all moved on, by the way. Now, I don't know what insight they used to pitch that idea to whoever had to be convinced. Like, I don't know, um, maybe it's physically impossible for one human to mug another human to the sound of Ave Maria. I have no idea. But the idea... You'd never go in and pitch that to a boardroom of uh, logical B2B marketing thinkers because it doesn't make any sense. It's not
0: best practice, Mark. It hasn't been tried and tested. It really
1: isn't best practice. It's not something you could look around and say, I've seen that done before. Yeah, But to every problem... There's a logical solution and a creative solution. And
0: where I've seen that done before, and it's not exactly the same, but the scene it made me think of is from that wonderful film, Shawshank Redemption, when he yeah. plays himself in the governor's office and he puts on the classical music and everybody in the prison yard doing their exercise looks yeah. up and there's a moment of calm amongst all the kind of madness and violence of that world. So...
1: Do you know what? I always... I always wanted him to look through the record collection and say, you know, actually, is that if I'm going to get the the, the the stuff beaten out of me for doing this, if I'm going to lock myself in an office and then have a man come at me with a truncheon, is this the best record for me to spend the next two or three minutes listening to? Or is Abbey Road in there? You know, is there something else? Is there Beatles or is there jellyfish or the strokes? But um, or even some stone roses, you know, but um, but no, that was a that was a brilliant scene in a film.
0: Yeah, well, you mentioned the Beatles there. Obviously, you're a proud son of Liverpool, and I, I know that very well. And in Boring to Brave, you actually you talk about B two B mentorship and role models and and the lack of them. Your view is that actually the Beatles should be our B two B heroes. Tell us yeah.
1: why. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, I went glamping with my family and two other families from school with kids. Who are in my children's classes, and we know them all very well. And they begged me, they begged me, Mark, to bring my guitar. Of course, they didn't beg me. <laughs> of course, they didn't. But they, they they begged me and begged me, bring your guitar, Mark. And we had a bonfire. Oh man! Yeah, go on. In fact, Mark, I don't know if actually, do you want to bring my guitar over? Yeah, bring it over. It, we're not, we're not going to do a David Brent thing. Um, but yeah, we um we had a bonfire and all the kids stayed up in their onesies and ate pizza and and did marshmallows. And I started playing the guitar. The only things I know how to play without even looking, without the music or whatever, um, or the words, are, are loads of Beatles songs. And all the kids aged five and eight picked up tennis rackets and pretended to be the Beatles. They knew every word, every single lyric, right? This is content written between 50 and 60 years ago. And my kids and other people's kids know every damn word. I'm not just talking yellow submarine or octopus's garden. I'm talking help and I feel fine. They knew every word. Now, the point here is this. How many B2B marketers, and I use this as a kind of self-segmentation bit in the first couple of chapters. How many, how many B2B marketers know for a fact that the, the content or stuff they produce today will be absolutely forgotten and never used in a year from now? that nobody will be able to point back to or remember the stuff you produce today. Because if that's the case, surely we're doing something wrong. The Beatles produced content, music and movies and books and films and radio slots and that has been remembered and recalled and cited and referenced and copied 50 to 60 years later. Why is that not our ambition? And in, in, in 15 or 16 different cases, I can argue why the Beatles, if they weren't so damn busy would have made absolutely brilliant B2B marketers.
0: The other, one of the other cultural references that really spoke to me, um, because so much of what we see in, in, in B2B marketing, and, and primarily we, we're looking at B2B tech marketing, where businesses normally have a point of difference but manage to make them sound similar to each other. They almost feel there's a bit of a safety in numbers and they almost don't want to stand out. That's not what the brief says, but when you look at the work that comes out that's the only conclusion you can draw and the reference that really spoke to me was a star wars one uh, when you said that you know most of us like to think we're hand solo, but in terms of what we're what we're actually churning out the content we're putting out, we turn into c three p o what it's... what is what drove you to that conclusion, and why
1: I, do you know what i can't even remember how I came up with it, but You're definitely Han Solo. Like, you're unmistakably Han Solo, so don't you worry about that. For anyone under a certain age, Han Solo in the Star Wars films is a sexy, wisecracking guy with a blaster that sort of hangs on a low-slung belt and a waistcoat, and he makes riding trousers, jobfers look really, really cool. And C-3PO is some kind of gold, flawlessly shiny, but utterly boring robot that walks and talks in an utterly formal, subservient, technical way with complex language, hugely risk averse and mocked by everybody. And he's the only character in the Star Wars team of what I'd call goodies that uses fear to drive his every behaviour instead of hope. And, you know, any human being of a certain age who given the choice of being C-3PO or Han Solo They'd relate to Han Solo more. They'd, they'd, you ask them which one of the pair they'd be prefer to be likened to, and it's 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 a no brainer. But as soon as they walk into their offices or switch on their laptops, they absolutely turn into C three PO. It becomes pointlessly formal. It becomes up, like full of like C three PO loves jargon. The fact that this guy uh, can speak six million languages is not lost on anyone. He makes sure you know about it, and he tells you in polite terms. He's 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 a scaredy cat. He's shiny. His faith in logic is religious. He's just boring. He doesn't take any risks. Han Solo is scrappy and utterly flawed and has no plan apart from the one that comes to him just before the biggest crunch points. But he's daring and he's the one we all want to be. And we, you know, risk, risk averse is funny. Like there's a part in the book where I have to be clear risk management is an absolutely crucial part of running any business, especially for our big clients. You know, you've worked on clients in aerospace, let's say, right? One of the big names, um, and and, and aerospace engineering. Public health and safety and employee safety and risk management absolutely has to be part of every business. But there's a a very, very – there's a very big difference between exposing yourself to risks – and taking calculated risks and the taking of calculated risk is the only the only thing that is going to stand a chance of differentiating you from anyone else because it's the only thing that means you're trying something that's never been tried before and that's the only way of being noticed and not blending in with the rest so risk is at taking risk is absolutely a part of marketing
0: the culture of the organization you're working for either as an in-house marketer or as, a, as an agency is, is so important because occasionally the, the race for perfection uh, is the enemy of getting anything at all out the door. And there are so many layers and so many uh, committee members uh, wanting to critique every marketing aspect that you end up with a really dull piece of work rather than having and this is something you mentioned in born to brave rather than having that mvp mindset um, that the product guys may well have had but it's somehow not translated its way through to the marketing team
1: yeah that's a that's a tough one also mark because there are also chapters in the book where i warn against just getting shit done for the sake of getting shit done and that you know the get shit done brigade in any place can be not just damaging, but sometimes toxic because all their, you know, they measure their output by definition in shit. And I don't want shit out there. I want good stuff. But so, you know, you, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a chapter or two about that, that talks to taking time and taking a breath and looking out the window and imagining the best next piece of content, rather than just writing the same stuff that's going to be reproduced by 40 other competitors. I, I used to be friendly with the guy who runs Seed Legals, whose name is Anthony Rose and this guy has been uh, led four or five successful startups, but was most famous in his time for building and inventing the iPlayer at BBC. So he knows his stuff, and he once told me that um, you know, in some of these big organisations, there's 17 layers of sign-off for a decision. That's just mad. I mean, that's not even worth that's not even worth being in a job for. There's no, you've got zero autonomy. Equally, if there's nobody there to sign off, you're probably in a bad place, right? there's chaos. Maybe one or two, if if, if if you've got more than one or two sign offs, layers of sign off, you're not, you know, it. There's there's, there's got to be a point at which inefficiency meets bravery and everything else. I think that we do have to have a layer of, uh, or a kind of sense of autonomy and risk taking and trust, which means if we're going to have the trust of others, we need to be good, we need to be trained, we need to be skilled. I mean, Mark Ritson does a lot of uh, selling and promoting his own uh, Marketing Week mini-MBA uh, in brand management and marketing. and But even before he built that, he used to write for Marketing Week all the time that too many of us fell into marketing or found ourselves in marketing because of the kind of people we are, but actually have never been trained. So there's, there's also a chapter about how to get buy-in, how to get executive buy-in, right? Because, uh, you, again, you, there's no point being brave as a single person walking up a hill with a flag. You need a, You need the people behind you, but... With every brave moment, you gain influence, you gain respect, you gain personal agency and confidence and admirers and listeners and followers and fans. And you build that reputation for leadership that people desire. And if the people don't want you in the room raising your hand and telling them what you think, you need to find a different job. Or if you're happy with never doing that, that's fine, but then boring to brave probably won't interest you.
0: The 17 layers of approval is ridiculous and no good work will result from it. The, the, the other extreme is when there's so little executive buy-in they don't even engage with the work um, occasionally in b2b marketing you think because it is often so formulaic they don't really need to take a look at it um so uh because they know exactly what it's going to look like anyway because it looks yep. like the last time you did it uh, and the time before that as well so just give us a, a simple obviously everyone listening to this mark is going to read the book pretty soon but just For now, give us your top tip for getting that executive buy-in.
1: Probably understanding what um, the difference between internal marketing metrics and any external metrics that go to anyone else in the business. So, I mean, literally, most B2B marketers apply their trade in meaningless metrics. They've either been forced to measure stuff that shouldn't ever be measured, doesn't need to be measured, and doesn't have much of a bearing on how successful you're going to be. And they know it, which is the thing kills me, that they actually know it's meaningless. They've just lost the argument so many times and lost the will to to, to bring it. Um, Or they are so proud of their likes and pluses and thumbs and, you know, um, that they talk about this stuff in boardroom meetings. Now, the only two currencies or languages that anyone else needs to hear in order for you to convince of either success had or success promised is dollars and data. That's it. Like, if you are in a Non creative business bringing creative stuff occasionally you can show something during an all hands meeting or a, a you know a company meeting or a board meeting and make people open their eyes and go wow but it still needs to carry the promise through it needs to be delivered and distributed and and shared and loved and then acted upon right so there's a whole load of the marketing funnel still to go if you can talk in dollars and data and you know obviously pounds and pence and um, proof that's how they're going to listen to you Doug Kessler in the book from Velocity Partners talks about uh, a a lifetime of thinking that his job as a marketing and creative director uh, was to have good ideas he said no it's not good ideas that's got nothing to do with that's just a that's the necessary input the job I've got to do he says is educating others because if you look at it again you're We allow non-marketers to take marketing decisions. We allow our copy to go... Before it goes out to the world, I'm a copywriter. I know how to make a line sing. And then I am forced, what, to give it to a legal guy who's going to check my copy and maybe even change it? So suddenly you're paying me a handsome amount to write a line that has operatic sounds. You're giving it to a legal guy before it goes out so the legal guys are writing your copy now you're paying me and the legal guys are i don't ask him if i can write the lines of his contract and
0: there have been some high profile examples of ceos rather than coming from a financial background or from a operations background or a legal background beginning to come more and more from marketing is that something you've noticed in recent times
1: I don't even think it's recent times. I think, I mean, when we worked together, we worked on Weetabix and the guy that I met three months into my time with the agency was also three or four months into his job. His name was Giles Turrell. He was Weetabix CEO. He'd been president of marketing, I think at Kimberly Clark, but he was a marketer. So he was able to talk in stories. You know, he was able to talk about being in, The kitchen cupboard and on the breakfast table of half the nation's households. He was able to talk about how in China, and I think they'd just been bought out by a Chinese conglomerate, they didn't have bowls that fit a Weetabix in. So they had to invent Weetabix bowls for that market. And, you know, great stories, you know, delivering Weetabix to certain markets by bicycle courier, because uh, they didn't fit on store shelves or whatever, you know, Or there were too many disparate retailers because it was all family sort of family owned independence and there was no supermarket system. So I think CEOs of B2B companies could and should be um, coming from more of a marketing background than a finance background. We're mad about channels in B2B. We're so crazy about channels, but we forget that channels are just carrier pigeons for the right story that you've got to blow somebody's socks off, right? Yeah, then, then then really we could we could mirror that in, in B2B and that, you know I, I don't have any aspiration to be a B2B CEO. I'm more than happy being uh, in charge of marketing communications and, and story. but I, I wish there were more people like us at the top. Mark,
0: but we can't let you leave the hunch without asking you because within the book Boring to Brave, you know, you've got so many different pieces of advice and, and thoughts about where B2B marketing is going, but what's your hunch?
1: Here's my hunch. I think that we're about to enter a third era of of e-commerce, right? Where the first era of e-commerce being when websites were sort of solely used as online shop windows and that was it. That was all we knew about how to use a website. The second being something I took part in when everything was focused on optimization, personalization, automation, and it was all about APIs, and it was all about making sure the right person, the right message, the right time, the right banner, the right time, blah, 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 social proof, you know, and everything could be proven with the thing on the screen, the color of the button, the data, the banner, the time, the, the messaging. I think we're about to enter a third era of e-commerce, and I think it's now. I don't think it's coming. I think it's now. I feel like we're entering an era where personalization is seen as a more organic Human endeavor and I think AI and automation is still right there customers don't have relationships with brands they use brands and sometimes they like brands and if you're really lucky they love your brand but they don't have relationships with brands people have relationships with each other and I think that third area of e-commerce is going to be about people talking and sharing and making it relevant to them
0: Thanks, Mark. Really interesting to hear about uh, what you see in the new trends uh, and referral marketing in particular. Uh, I know you're prolific on social media, as is, uh, as your company, Mention Me. So suggest listeners take a look at some of the the thought-provoking pieces you have at uh, mention-me.com. And also, of course, get hold of your copy of Boring to Brave, available from all good booksellers and online as well of course it really is a cracking read lots of stories and anecdotes that we couldn't cover today but really made me chuckle and made me think which is uh, most important of course
1: thanks again mark it's been my pleasure take care
0: thank you for listening follow me mark Schmid, or our company simmons and Schmid, on linkedin or twitter for news of our next episode